and turn to Mark chapter 10. So glad that you are here on this beautiful first Sunday in May. Today we start a brand new sermon series entitled Money Matters. And the message today uh, is entitled, I Believe the Children Are Our Future. And yes, I did steal that title from Whitney Houston, but I don't think she cares. I don't think it matters to her today. So we are going to take this sermon title and we're going to look at children's ministry and also stewardship. In fact, all month long, we're going to be looking at uh, uh, various issues related to our time, our talents, and our treasures and what we do with that for the glory of God. Next week is our end of the year choir extravaganza. And we're going to be looking at the Ten Commandments of Financial Stewardship, Christian Stewardship. On the 18th, the Sermon on the Amount. We're going to take that from the Sermon on the Mount. Many people will say, how much should I give? Come on the 18th. And we'll try to answer that question. And on the 25th, we've got a one-service Sunday, May 25, 9.30 a.m. If you show up Memorial Day weekend at 11 o'clock, the show will be over. It's one of three times a year that we just have one gathering. It's an awesome time, first service alongside second service at 9.30 a.m. And we're going to look at right on the money. Um, I want to give you some facts and some finances related to your church, First Christian Church. And I'm sharing this this morning, realizing that some of you, you've been a part of this church almost your whole life. So this is not new information for you. But some of you, this is a new church for you. Maybe you're checking First Christian Church out. Maybe you've been here for a couple weeks, a couple months, but you may not know all of this. And the best part about this sermon is that I'm speaking very little, and people that are much better looking than me are going to be sharing testimonies this morning. So let's dive in. Facts and figures. From 1993 to 2012, First Christian Church was in debt. That's a long time. That's 19 years. This sanctuary uh, came about because of that, the Family Life Center renovation came about because of that. But for 19 years, this church was in debt. And in May of 2012, First Christian Church became debt-free. It was an awesome time. There was a lot of celebrations. But almost exactly to that date, general fund giving has lagged behind our weekly need. Every week we advertise what we need for the ministry action plan. It's just a little bit under $20,000 a week. And you can mark it almost exactly to the time that this church became debt-free. General fund giving began to lag. And then last year, in May of 2013, we launched the Next Steps Future Facility Update Plan. And I want to talk a little bit about Next Steps. It's a four-phase plan. And phase one, we project, will cost about $500,000. And we started raising money mid-May last year. A lot of you have heard about Next Steps. You're going to hear more about Next Steps. We're excited about Next Steps. And the bottom line is this. The areas of this building that really have not been touched in in a major renovation capacity for really the last 40 to 50 years are targeted for Next Steps. And they are areas where our children's ministry and a lot of our youth ministry and some of our adult education ministry is housed. Now, the goal of Next Steps is to do it debt-free. And and, and we think that that can happen. That's our goal, to make that happen. We're following the model of Little Galilee Christian Camp. They've renovated their camp in about 15 years, taking the debt-free approach, and, and we're kind of following in their footsteps. If you're brand new or you're fairly new and you have no idea what Next Steps is, I want to tell you two things. One, go to our website, www.clintonfcc.com, and you can find a lot of information about Next Steps. 
Even better than that, I would love to personally visit with you about next steps. Mark Woodski, the chairman of our elders, would love to visit with you about next steps. Seek out an elder, a staff member. We would love to tell you more about next steps. Well, let me give you some good news. Back to the facts and finances. In the past eight years since 2006, our ministry action plan, that's our budget, our weekly budgeted need for general fund expenses, has increased 25%. From about 14500 a week in terms of a weekly need to almost $20,000 in terms of weekly need. A lot of great things have happened in the last eight years. The Lord has done some incredible things at First Christian Church in the last eight years. In the last 11 and a half months, over $266,000 has been given the next steps. That's more than halfway to having the money needed to do phase one. And that's very, very exciting news. First Christian Church has been and continues to be an incredibly blessed body of believers. And we've heard testimonies in the past. You're going to hear some testimonies today. I've never been a part of a church that is as blessed as First Christian Church is. And then on top of that, kind of the cherry on top of it, 2013, if you put our general fund giving and our next steps giving, it was the greatest giving year in the history of First Christian Church. This, is, this, this body of believers has been around for over 160 years, and last year, 2013, was our best year ever. Well, that's just kind of a premise for where we're going today. Last week, how many of you were here last week, Sunday after Easter? We talked about the priorities of Jesus. Do you remember that? And some of the priorities of Jesus that we talked about, we talked about the fact that he had a priority for the poor, and he had a priority for the kingdom of heaven, and he had a priority to make disciples, and he had a priority when it came to stewardship. Jesus taught 38 parables, and 16 of them dealt with stewardship issues, more than any other subject. So this was an area of passion for Jesus. And what's interesting about that is Jesus didn't have any money. Jesus was not a guy living high on the hog in in the nicest palace in in Galilee, Not, not at all. He was living literally day to day, but he still talked regularly about stewardship, about time, treasure, and talents. But another passion of Jesus was the children. And I just spent time this week just kind of journeying through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And I was amazed the number of times that when children were were, were addressed, it's almost like the heart of, of Jesus warmed to a level we've not seen before. And I want to read a passage of Scripture for you today that I think helps you understand the very heart of Jesus as it pertains to children and really ministry in general. And it's Mark chapter 10, beginning with verse 13. Let's, uh, let's read this together. It says, People were bringing little children to Jesus to have him touch them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God is like a little child, like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms and he put his hands on them and he blessed them. I contrast that with what we looked at three weeks ago on Palm Sunday where Jesus went to the temple and he saw the the money changers and the people making money in the temple. And he was so angry, he turned the tables over and it really led to what I would call Sad Thursday and Good Friday, where Jesus was arrested and put on trial and ultimately crucified on the cross. I contrast that that, that frustration that Jesus had with the passion that he had for the children. I I need some help right now. Um, 
Jordan, I need you to help me. I know you don't want to do this, but I'm going to ask you to come on up and help me. I have a box of marbles here. And there were 600 mar marbles in here. Now there's only 300 marbles. I need you to walk all throughout the sanctuary and give everybody a marble. Can you do that? You're awake enough? Okay, there you go. All right, there you go. All right. Um, I'll explain later exactly what is happening. When I read that passage of Scripture, I am reminded, first and foremost, that children's ministry matters. Number one, children's ministry matters. I don't care who you are. I don't care what your story is. Children's ministry matters. And that was reinforced to me last night. And I'm probably going to cry when I tell this story. But I want to show you a picture right now. This is a picture of my daughter when she was two years old. And she's with her best friend from Moequa at the time, a, a, a young girl by the name of Michaela. And uh, one scene, she's a Hershey kiss getting ready for Halloween. And in another scene, I don't know, they're just saying, hey, mom, look at me or something along those lines. But um, man, I remember that like it was yesterday. I still remember holding her hand and walking her to preschool uh, with her little dress and her little shoes and her little purse. And then it's like I woke up one day and we went to this. I mean, prom, just like that, overnight, things change. And, and I'm just reminded that children's ministry is important, but we don't have all the time in the world. I wish we had all the time in the world, but we don't have all the time in the world. Children's ministry matters. Number two, hear me say this, next steps is needed. Next steps is needed. Many times when the preacher starts talking money or the leaders start talking building renovations or building expansions, there's a little bit of us that wants to kind of, you know, put our arms together and just kind of check out. And, you know, we just start thinking about Sunday night baseball and the Cubs sweeping the Cardinals or something along those lines. I don't want you to check out because you're going to hear this morning from three people that are deeply, deeply invested in the life of your church. And these are testimonies that hopefully will tell the story better than I ever could. I'm asking first and foremost my friend Norma Harold to come. Norma Harold is normally a first service attendee, and she's going to tell you her story and why she's with us today. <laughs> well, I've just been introduced as Norma Harold, uh, but I want to give you my credentials for why I'm up here this morning. Almost 50 years ago, I came to First Christian, and I was Norma Dunn at that time, and I came to teach in our private kindergarten that the church had started a couple of years before. Now, when I arrived, I was introduced to the brand-new, state-of-the-art Christian education facilities that had just been completed. Everybody was so proud of them, and they were wonderful. Well, later I became the youth director. Couldn't be called the youth minister in those days, sorry. Um, I became the youth director, and I was in charge of Vacation Bible School and all the youth programs, kindergarten through high school. Next, I married and became the mother of two children who benefited from these wonderful Christian education facilities. Then later, I led a children's choir for several years, and then most recently, uh, was instrumental in encouraging the start of the Mums and Tots program that Lindsay is going to talk to you about later. So have you figured it out yet? I'm definitely a champion of the children of our church. 
Now, our current facilities have to be 50 years old because it was almost 50 years ago I came, and they were already in, in uh, use then. And they were designed and, uh, for the style and the needs of the programs of that day. But times have changed. And for the safety of our children and the types of programs that we have today, and our ministry staff embraces and has organized, I can see the need for a change in our facilities. No public or private or church education program has remained the same as it was for 50 years. Just last weekend, our son and uh, his wife were here to visit, and uh, he was telling me that their church, it's a large church, is in the process of a major renovation of their facilities. And he's on the uh, planning, and so is his wife. And he said to me, the thing that bothers me, Mom, is that we seem to be concentrating on the building and not on the programs for our children. Well, I, I just want you to realize, and you will by the time we get done this morning, especially with Cody's presentation, that the programs are already in place because we care about the programs for the children. Now we need the facilities that match the program. Now, it's obvious how old I am if I've been around here for 50 years, but uh, one of the things about my generation is we're not quick to change, and I'm the champion of resistance to change. But as I examined the next step plan, it occurred to me that 50 years ago, many people like me accepted the challenge to financially support those new Christian ed facilities. Why do you think they did that? Because they knew that the children are the future of the church. I'm proud to be a part of the history of this church, but I also want to be part of its future. So I agreed to uh, appeal to you today and encourage you to uh, accept the challenge of financially supporting the Next Steps program. I can guarantee you it's not about the building. It's about the little people. Thank you, Norma. I'm also going to ask Lindsay Moody to come right now. Lindsay grew up in this church and is uh, making a difference in our church, and she's going to share a testimony as well. Thank you, Greg. All right, so when Greg approached me um, about getting in front of you all today and sharing a bit, uh, my instinct was to say, no thanks, that's not really uh, my thing. But um, my dad, whom many of you knew, Dave Herzog, um, he was definitely the speaker of the family. Um, I remember him well getting up in front of the congregation as we were getting ready um, to build onto our church several years ago. And um, the result of that is this beautiful sanctuary that we sit in today. Um, however, he was not driven because it was a new, nice place for us to gather and um, as believers and be on Sunday mornings. His excitement that spread to the congregation was driven by knowing that this space would allow for us to reach out to others. In our old sanctuary, there weren't open seats anymore, and no one feels welcome into a place where there's no room to sit. Um, we needed a new, inviting, attractive space to welcome new individuals for the sake of teaching and building relationships to lead people to Christ. God provided, and I'm so thankful for that, that we're here today. While Dad was a much more fluent speaker and had just an infectious enthusiasm, 
I knew, now realize that regardless of my hesitations and my shortcomings, God has called me out to be the next generation and to step up. I'm excited knowing that the time has come again for us to remodel and to reach more individuals. What an exciting time to know that Next Steps is moving our church in an awesome direction. The two goals that stick out to me most are the plan to better protect our children and to attract the next generation. As a mother of two young children, I'm very excited for improving upon our facilities in the youth department. Those haven't changed since I was a little tyke sitting in those chairs and um, in that Sunday school class. And while I think it's really cute that McCoy's sitting in that same itty-bitty little room, um, it's definitely time for updates and renovations. Um, I grew up at FCC, and I love that our church carries so many awesome traditions, but I also love that we're open to change when change is needed. And when it comes to safety of our little ones and bringing more people through these doors, we've recognized that some changes need to be made. Let me move back a couple years to when Chris and I moved to Clinton. Um, we both grew up here in Clinton, and when we came back from college, it was kind of hard for us to find where we fit in exactly, finding young couples to hang out with, um, and especially our role here at FCC. But eventually, we started a small group with some friends. Um, I guess they weren't really friends at the time. We just knew who they were, and we thought, hey, you're a cute young couple. Like, can we get together and have coffee or something? Um, but through that and through our Sunday school class that we have now, we have built amazing relationships. I got choked up at first service just thinking about how um, excited I am that we have little ones um, whose parents are raising them up in the Lord, too, and just how huge that is. Um, however, it also makes me think how hard it must be for couples who didn't grow up in this community. And I myself felt like I was lost coming back to the very church that I grew up in. Um, so I started to have a heart for um, young couples in our community who were new here. And um, because of the initial struggle we had, God has laid it on my heart to reach out to young couples in the community, but specifically moms and um, their young kids. Therefore, when Norma Harold and Merla approached a few girls and I about starting up a playgroup, um, I knew that that was something that God wanted me to invest in. So we call it Moms and Tots, and it's our group that's been meeting for a couple years now. It started as just a few of us bringing some toys. We'd sit around, and the kids would run around while we chatted a bit. Um, things have changed a bit from that first meeting. Um, a couple weeks ago, we had 64 moms and kids in the Family Life Center. Um, is it a little chaotic? Yes, at times it is, very much so. Uh, but do we have fun? The kids have a blast, and it's a great time for us moms to come invent and share ideas and um, just when we're about to pull our hair out somebody else will take over our kid for a while and get them their snack when they're crying and um, we generally meet twice a month um, we have activities set up uh, you can go ahead and pull up the pictures would be great um, I don't really have the best pictures because to get toddlers and babies to be in one spot for longer than half a second is impossible um, and I've wanted to get the whole group together at times but thinking about getting 60 together and over half of them being kids, I think the moms would want to kill me. So we just avoid that, but tried to catch some action shots here some. But we run, we play, um, we set up sensory tubs so that if we have a farm day, my husband, the handy farmer, brings in corn and they can dig in that. They love all of that. Um, just let you scroll through a few more of these. Um, something new that I've tried to start doing is um, sending home like a baggie of an activity or a craft that the parents can do with their kids at home and um, 
for example, this week we did like a garden theme and the, we did a lot of different things with gardening. But then they could take home a picture that it was flowers that they could put stickers on and stuff. And just the theme was growing up in God. And hopefully, I mean, it's just a small, subtle little thing, but to take that home so that it triggers some conversation. And um, this was my favorite um, play date to date. Um, one of the moms asked if she could bring her guitar and play some music. And I thought, at first I'm like, oh, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. And I was really nervous, like, the kids are crazy and they love to just run. And I was like, are they going to stay in one spot? And are the moms going to think this is really weird? Because um, I'll get into it a little bit more, but most of the moms that come to play group um, don't attend services on Sunday morning. Sunday mornings. So for them to be part of a little worship service, I was just a little hesitant of what that would be like. Um, it was so awesome to see the little kids who I know many of them have never heard the songs before, throw their hands up in the air and sing your everlasting love is higher than the sky. And their moms just were really excited about it too. And some of those might be words that they haven't even considered before. Um, sorry. All right. So, um, that was just a really neat thing and it's definitely something that I want to do again. Um, you might find it discouraging that most of the moms don't come to Sunday morning services, but I think that's the most exciting part. Um, I think it is huge just to get them through the doors of our church and comfortable with this environment. I have lots of friends that just to walk through the church doors is so intimidating. Um, and there's many other ministries at our church, not just moms and tots, but are, that are getting people through the doors. Um, that's just a really big first step. Um, when playgroup started, I wasn't exactly sure what God had in store, but I've continually prayed that it will not be a time just for moms to meet together, but a time that he'll use to build relationships between moms and ultimately bring families closer to him. Prayers have been answered. Some moms have straight up asked what programming is um, offered for their kids. Other families have started to come to services, and while I don't know if playgroup was that starting thing or not, and I really don't care what the reason is that they initially got here, but I know that once they get through those doors, we can start loving on them and showing them Christ's love. Um, you might be wondering how Moms and Tots is related to Next Steps. As, as I said, a lot of moms don't come to FCC currently. One of our main goals with Next Steps is to reach the next generation. And I can tell you that that next generation is at Playgroup. And I love gathering together and playing with the kids and catching up with my mom friends. But ultimately, I hope Moms and Tots can serve as a tool to introduce families to our church and get them comfortable here. And from there, I want to be able to introduce them to our beginner church and to the Sunday school programs that are offered for their kids. And when I go to do that, I want to be able to show them an exciting, updated area and be really excited to take them. And right now, I can't really do that. We have small little classes, and um, I want to be able to show them um, that we care as much about our children's facility as we do about this awesome room that we meet in. But this, compared to what's back there for our kids, doesn't really match up, and I don't think it sends um, a great message, to be honest. Um, I also want to be able to tell them that we have the safest facility we possibly can for their children. And while we do everything we can um, to keep our kids safe and all of our volunteers do an outstanding job, um, we can definitely do a whole lot better when we have facilities with less doors. And um, you can get all the details of next steps from Greg. But <laughs> um, from talking with moms and interacting with moms on a daily basis, their number one concern is safety. And with Playgroup, our initial thinking was that we would hire a couple girls to come in and watch the kids while all of us moms could chat and hang out. And it didn't take long to realize that the moms did not want to leave their kids' side. 
they were concerned about them and that they were going to be comfortable and protected. So we kind of revamped um, playgroup and have just made it a everybody hang out together sort of thing. But it let me know that um, we need a safe environment where people who've never been to our church can come and feel comfortable and feel like their kids are um, taken care of. And while our volunteers do that, we need our facility to say that as well. Um, because then after dropping their kids off at Sunday school, we want them to be able to come to, like I love my Sunday school class, I want them to be able to come and really invest in their own spiritual health as well. And if they're worried about their child and their safety, they're not going to be able to focus on their spiritual needs. I could not be more excited to get Next Steps rocking and rolling. Unfortunately, we're at a standstill until we have the funds. And while we've done an awesome job this far, we need to keep going. Just like my husband and I have realized that as the next generation, we need to step up as leaders, we also have taken the initiative to step up and financially support Next Steps on top of our regular giving. Please consider the amazing impact this will have on so many families and the future of our church, but most importantly, God's kingdom. I invite you to give generously to Next Steps as well. Thank you. <clears throat> Lindsay, thank you so much. Hey, one more testimony. Cody Monkman just led a group from our church to the Orange Conference in Atlanta, and Cody's going to come this morning. He's got his cup of coffee, and we're going to talk all about Orange in five minutes. You're on, buddy. Um, I did a pretty good job of it for service. So, um, <clears throat> Okay, so um, most of you, if you uh, attend here regularly, uh, you've heard the name Orange, 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 Orange. And you have also probably seen banners like this. Um, you've heard me talk about it. Um, I bought a new coffee mug at the conference. Um, that's Orange. And uh, we went to a conference in Atlanta. And Verna Brown, Shelley Lee, Cassandra Benton, and Rachel Devers and I went down there uh, to learn more about the Orange curriculum, but also the Orange philosophy. It's more than just a curriculum, and that's why I'm excited about it, is because there is a ph different philosophy on how to do ministry, how to uh, do education, and how to reach the family that this curriculum is built um, off of. Orange was, uh, the Orange Movement was started by a guy named Reggie Joyner. Uh, he was on staff at North Point Community Church, where Andy Stanley is at, and this was about 10 years ago. And one of the things that Reggie noticed was that there are two influences that can have the greatest impact on a child's life. The parents, and if they have it in their life, the church. However, those two uh, influences tend to uh, conflict with each other, compete with each other, and for instance, the church tends to be, uh, the church in general, tends to be uh, overly programmed. And when you do programs, you're asking for people's time. Yet the family and parents and children are busier now than ever before. And so they, uh, they are competing with each other. While Orange, Reggie, he says... The light of the church, Jesus, so yellow, uh, needs to come alongside the heart of the home, red, the parents, and work together. Reggie at, is asking the question, what would it look like if the two greatest influences in a child's life 
come together and work together rather than working against each other. Orange supports the family. Orange with intention and purpose. Orange also tries to help the church put tools and resources in the hands of parents and the family to be the spiritual leaders of the household rather than the church being the spiritual doctor. One way that we currently here at FCC, there are two uh, areas that are on orange, beginner church and junior church. Now, not the Sunday school hour, just the worship hour. And if you have a child that is involved in those areas, they should be going home with what's called a parent queue. It's uh, on an orange sheet of paper, so if you aren't getting them, you should be getting them, and please ask for them. Um, But on this sheet, they uh, give you questions and things to do with the kids uh, during car time, during meal time, uh, during bath time, to help extend what is being taught at church back home. And then church becomes not a place you go, but a, a, a lifestyle. Um, it extends it back home, and it helps the parents, especially when there are many parents who uh, feel inadequate when it comes to uh, trying to be um, the spiritual leaders with knowledge of the Bible and things. Orange gives you a support system to help you with that. But it's more than just a parent cue and handing a piece of paper out. Uh, Orange also says that if you support children, if you care about children, if you care and support parents, if you care about families, then you have to care about the family marriage, the marriage that is within that family. Because whether a marriage is uh, good or if it's going through some strain, it affects the child. And so Reggie wants to ask us, what is your church doing to support the marriages within your families? And he says, you know, you might, when I ask you that question, you might tell me, we do a three-week series on marriage, or we do a event for married people. Well, that's one week in 52 weeks. A marriage happens more than just one week, and so we have to continue to do more. And so an idea that was floating around was, you know, what would it look like if we invited, you know, parents to uh, have a date night and the church takes care of the children, to give parents a time to invest in one another and work on their marriage and be intentional and purposeful. Sorry, that wasn't supposed to say you need to work on it, but... um. Well, you do. You do need to work on it, actually. I take that back. All right. So why orange? Because a healthy children's ministry, uh, a healthy student ministry, that's right, orange is more than just children, Um, student ministry, a healthy family ministry, healthy small groups, Sunday school classes, and when you say that, when you start listing all of those things, you might as well just say a healthy church. A healthy church is a family ministry. And if we don't care about our families, we are um, really missing the boat. That's orange. Give Cody a hand. Good job.
I want to wrap this up with three numbers for you. First number is this, 85%. 85% of all people that make a decision to follow Jesus Christ do it before the age of 18. And 85% of them do it before the age of 14. That's why I'm so thankful that this church has always had a priority to have excellent children's and youth ministries. I will never, ever, ever apologize that we have multiple staff members and budgeted dollars that their number one goal, their number one task is to help children and youth fall in love with Jesus Christ. And you should never settle for anything less. Second number is one. Every church is one generation from extinction. See, it looks great, the beautiful sanctuary. It looks great, building programs. It looks great to hear testimonies. But if my generation or Lindsay's generation just decided to to throw in the towel, it's not worth it, we're going to spend our our time and our treasure and our talents elsewhere, this church could be an irrelevant, non-difference-making church in, in 20 years. And that sounds like an exaggeration. That sounds like a preacher's ploy. Friends, it's true. We talked about it last week. I go to New England. I see some beautiful church buildings that are today flower shops and antique malls because the church became extinct. Final number, 936. Now, how many of you were wondering if I'd lost my mind when I asked my daughter to walk through the church during the sermon time and give everybody a marble? Some of you did, I know. Do you have your marble? I want you to hold up your marble for just a moment. I have a jar of marbles here. And Cody and Shelley tell me that there are 936 marbles in this legacy jar. And here's what that represents. Each marble represents one week in the life of a child, in the life of your children, in the life of your grandchildren. See, there's 52 weeks in a year, and we consider uh, someone to be an adult when they turn 18. So math majors, 52 times 18 equals 936. Here's what that tells me. Your child, your grandchild, my children, we've got 936 chances as a church from the time they're born to the time they go off to college. I'm not kidding you. I think it was two months ago that my daughter was going through preschool graduation. Last night, She went to her senior prom. It passes by like that. And I am so thankful that because of the ministry of First Christian Church of Moequa, because of the ministry of Jefferson Street Christian Church in Lincoln, because of the ministry of First Christian Church in Clinton, my daughter and my son fell in love with Jesus Christ. I want you to keep that marble I want you to look at that marble. I challenge you to carry that marble with you. And when you do it, pray for your children. Pray for the children of this town. Pray for the children of your community. But remember, 936 chances. It might seem like a lot. It can be gone just like that. I believe our children are the future. Do you? Let's pray. God, thank you for today, and I thank you for the testimonies that we heard from Norma. I thank you for Lindsay's heart. I thank you for Cody's passion. And through it all, I thank you most of all for Jesus, your son. 
It's my prayer as we talk uh, finances, as we talk next steps, as we talk children's ministry, that we'll never uh, lose sight of what it's all about. It's all about you. It's all about your son, Jesus Christ. It's all about helping young boys and young girls absolutely fall in love with Jesus, your son, so they'll be lifelong disciples who make a difference. We love you, and it's in your name that we pray. Amen.